0: evening everybody and welcome to the graveyard thank you for joining us tonight my name is adam and this is matt now pull up a tombstone or settle into your casket and get comfortable because this is graveyard tales all right matt how you feeling tonight brother hey
1: i'm good brother how you
0: I'm doing all right now. Uh, I thought I was dying Friday, man. That's what I heard. Yeah, dude. I, I actually had to leave work early and everything. I Like my throat and lymph nodes were all messed up and everything. And I had tooth pain. And I, I really thought I was dying.
1: I think you were
0: possessed. You know, that could have been it with research and all the crap. i
1: sorry. I love doing that.
0: <laughs> You're going to have somebody <laughs> pee their pants because they're not expecting <laughs> you to do that. And just all of a sudden... You're going to do it and they're going to pee in their car. <laughs> um, but I ended up having to go to the doctor on Saturday and I wanted to give my doctor, Dr. Ryan, a shout out because I told him, I said, man, all right, look, I've got to do a podcast on Monday. So I can't have any of this crap messing with me. You know, I'm, I've got to sound good for the people, you know. And he said, all right, I'll hook you up, man. So he gave me a steroid shot, antibiotic, and then a Z Pack. And started taking the z pack today. I am jacked, dude. Just just jacked. So jacked that I almost didn't censor myself there when I said that.
1: So. Y'all should see Adam's face. He's like blood red flushed yeah, in the face. It's mean, like, he looks like his head's about to pop.
0: My cheeks are flushed, real red. And then you get up to my hairline and it's just white. It's weird. It's weird looking. Um, But on the shout out front, we noticed we've been looking at our analytics here lately.
1: Yeah, I was curious, who do you know in uh, uh,
0: Kissimmee, Florida? Adam? Cause I I don't know anybody, I don't think. I don't either. Um, but we noticed that Kissimmee is our second highest listenership um, right under our home city, Nashville. So I wanted to give a shout out to everybody in Kissimmee who's listening. Um, if you live in Kissimmee and are listening to us right now, shoot us an email. We're interested in how you found us we'd love to hear from you and all that um because i don't think i know y'all and that's kind of cool
1: i know i don't know you but i'd like to get to know you you know close intimate knowing you so let us know yeah,
0: you might run them off now man that <laughs> they might never listen to us again um and on another kind of a shout out kind of not um i know one of your favorite um Podcast and one of my favorite is Astonishing Legends. And just this morning, they released their second episode on the Bell Witch. And Forrest, my boy Forrest on there, just out of nowhere mentioned my third story for today. So I'll, we'll get to more of that when we get to the story, but we'll kind of explain what we're doing here. Um, this whole episode, if you couldn't tell from the title of the episode, is on urban legends. So Matt and I both have picked out three of our favorites, I guess you would say. Um, we're going to tell you about them. We're going to have a little discussion about them afterward. Um, and they get creepier as
1: we go. Absolutely. So sit back, relax. Get a cold beverage. Dim the lights.
0: I noticed you got a cold beverage I've over got there. A cold what you drinking on, brother?
1: This is um, Bell's Double Cream Stout.
0: I noticed it looked yummy when you brought it in. It
1: looks like coffee with a head
0: on it. Yeah. <laughs> now you're just describing me. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I I'm I'm, spu- not. I'm
1: supposed to be eating keto. This is absolutely not keto. No,
0: that's anti keto. I've I've got water, I'm drinking. Well, I'm I'm living it up, man. Very keto. Yes. All right. So Matt, figure we would uh, let you go first, um, since
1: yeah, let's let you go All first. All right. All right. So um, my first urban legend tonight comes from San Antonio, Texas,
0: just south. My home state, baby.
1: There you go. And I mean. In researching these, Texas is full of these things. I mean, full of them. I don't know what's going on in Texas. I know everything's bigger in Texas, but apparently the ghosts...
0: The tall tales, too.
1: ...are bigger <laughs> in Texas. But Texas is absolutely slammed with these kind of ghost stories, urban legends, whatever you want to call them. Um, it's a so, big state. Yeah, you we, we could have made a whole show just on the ones from Texas. I think but,
0: we got an idea coming up.
1: but. Yeah,
0: maybe, Formulating maybe, an idea.
1: Perhaps. So this first one tonight, just south of San Antonio, Texas, is the uh, Old Applewhite Bridge. Better known to locals as the Donkey Lady Bridge. So this is the legend of the Donkey Lady. So the legend goes that there was a woman who lived in a house with her husband and Three small children. Something transpired. There's two different versions. The husband went crazy, burned the house with the wife and the children in it. There's also a version where some raiders had come and and burned the house with her and the children in it.
0: And you're not talking like the football team.
1: Exactly. <laughs> and... Everyone in the house died, but at the last moment, this woman burst from the flames, and her hands and fingers had been fused into hoof like shapes. Mm. And the skin and flesh on her face had melted and drooped down, giving her this disfigured appearance, much like a donkey. So the donkey story gets even better because. The third version of this story actually tells about a young boy who um, he was playing in the area and there was a woman that lived there that had a donkey that she treated like a member of the family. And this little boy was from a wealthy family, comes home with a story and tells his father, this lady's donkey bit me. So later that evening, The father gathers up some of his goon friends and they go down here to address this. They hide under this bridge and when the woman brings her donkey out, they jump her. They're trying to wrestle the donkey away from her. The donkey loses its footing and it slips into the river. The woman is so distraught that she picks up rocks from the river and starts hurling them at these men. Hitting one of them. And you know, if you get hit in the head with a rock makes you pretty angry oh yeah so these angry men now now bleeding take her and throw her in the river with her donkey and the the vile act causes the spirits of this woman and this donkey to fuse creating this ghostly half woman half donkey creature
0: so there's a funny name in there for it that i don't have
1: i can't come up with it when I was reading this, I kept picturing Eeyore for some reason, but that's <laughs> uh, not exactly right. I know.
0: I'm so I'm sad. Not,
1: I'm not scared of Eeyore. Um, I am a little bit. So, so, three different versions of the same legend, but the one thing they all have in common is that in current day, if you go to the Donkey Woman Bridge, park your car, or stand and linger a little too long, she will come to scare you off. So she'll come and beat on your car. She'll appear to you, scream and wail and attack you. And there's actually been documented evidence of these strange things happening. Uh, People have had damage to their windshields, found blood on the hood of their car, hoof prints under the bridge. Wow. Of course, we are in Texas and seeing hoof prints. Yeah, it's, is not a big
0: deal especially around San Antonio.
1: Uh, yeah, exactly. But nonetheless, hoof prints uh going into the woods on people's cars and so there there are people that really truly believe, "Hey, there's something out there." Right. Now, skeptics always say that well, there's an explanation and we're not those skeptics, but they there is a belief that there's actually something out there. There is a creature out there of some type uh that's causing this that people are seeing that's putting forth this uh the these legends um and scaring these people off and because of the story they uh, they have really worked this whole thing into a frenzy of this is the donkey lady
0: out there right
1: one thing i found interesting is if you Google map the old Apple White bridge, the pin that drops on the Google map is the donkey lady bridge. Really? <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty cool. It says donkey lady bridge on Google maps. So if you're interested, um, go do that. Um, but there is one, one pretty famous story. Uh, it comes from, uh, Around 1987, this uh, this person relays a story of four high school friends who are sitting around with nothing to do, looking for some entertainment, decide, we're going to drive out to this bridge. We're going to find the donkey lady. So they go out. They park their car on the bridge. They're waiting. They flash their lights, honk their horn. After about 15 minutes, nothing's happening. So they decide we're going to get out and go in the woods and look. They get a little ways into the woods and one of them stops and says, Hey, there's, there's something over there looking at us. I can see eyes looking at me in the woods. So they turn tail and run and get back to the car, hearing whatever it was chasing them. They get to the car and he guns it, and some large creature hits the front of their car, smashes their windshield, smashes wow. their hood, and they take off. They get back to the house where their other friends are are waiting on them, and the story is documented by one of the friends that was not there, which is always a little suspect. But he Third says, party. I come out, look at this guy's car, The window, the windshield is smashed. There's marks all over the hood. There's blood on the hood. And the front end is, you know, it's dented. There's damage. So they go back out to try to find what animal did this. Found blood on the bridge. No sign of any animal. So the question is, you know, did did they hit the donkey lady? Did they hit somebody's horse that had gotten loose and was wandering through there?
0: Right, but you you'd think know. if it was a real animal, they would have found it. They would it. have
1: found a dead a dead, right. animal out there. Pretty creepy story, fairly well known. That's why I chose it for my first one.
0: There you go. So. Well, before I get into mine, um, since mentioned that Texas was my home state, um, it kind of reminds me, when I was in high school, there was this old railroad track that we used to me and some buddies would go out to and you know that neither here or there just i just thought this was an interesting um segue with your story there um there were legends it was probably the next town over from where i grew up and we'd go out there and we'd park and you know i won't get into what all we did while we were out there but there was uh <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, that. yeah. I, I figure we're trying to keep this PG thirteen. So, um, <laughs> but there was a legend that at that railroad track, that some kids died when a train hit them. So they said if you sat there, car turned off, you would see this one large maple tree that was to the right of you when you were parked there. You would see it start to pitch, as if there was wind coming, like a train coming. And then you would hear the train, no train there, but you would hear the train rush down the tracks. And after that, if you looked at your car, you would see little kid handprints and footprints. So we went out there one time, we did that. Sat there, nothing really happened, you know, but being younger teenagers, we kind of freaked ourselves out. So we drove off and we stopped at this gas station. And I went in, got a drink, and I come back out, and a couple of buddies of mine are standing there looking at my truck. They're like, dude, what is this? And there, it looked like there were little, you know, impression things in the dust on my truck. I'm, I'm like, y'all did that. I mean, they're, you know, I, I was in the gas station. Y'all did that. There's, there's no way that happened. You know, unwilling to believe that happened. So. I don't know. A few weeks later, or whatever, uh, we'd gone back out there, and and my dad knew about this area because he worked in that town, and he kind of knew where we were talking about. So I told him, I said, "Well, we're going to the tracks, you know, whatever." Well, we parked the cars and we decided to walk down the tracks that night because we'd heard some stuff about a uh, a house, abandoned house down the road that we wanted to go check out. Turns out that was just something, a building that somebody had started building and then hadn't finished and it kind of decrepit looking. We get back to the trucks and my truck was parked in front of my buddy's car. It's now behind his car. Like, I kid you not, the truck is now behind my buddy's car and we're freaking out. We're like, holy crap. What? No, no, no. So we got in the car, we went our separate ways. I rush home and I run up the stairs. I'm going in the house to freak out. And usually my dad's asleep by the time I get home. Well, he's sitting up and I walk in the door and he goes, Hey, how'd it go? And I was like, it, 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 it was all right. And he leans his head around the corner and busts out laughing. He knew where we went. He drove down there, moved my damn truck And drove back (laughs) as if he had nothing better to do. So I was like, dude, (laughs) you had me freaked for like hours. I've been freaking out. So thanks, dad, for the nightmares and everything. Um, But now, now that I've ran my mouth about uh, high school, uh, let's get into my first uh, urban legend here. We're going to go from Texas to Ohio. So we're traveling a long way now. Um, This is a place called Satan's Hollow. Um, It's in Blue Ash, Ohio, right outside of Cincinnati. And apparently it's a series of drainage tunnels. And the legend goes that there was groups of Satan worshipers who would supposedly meet in these tunnels. And down in the tunnels is what they call an altar room and this is about a mile down or so into the tunnel. They would perform rituals like they would hold dark mass, um, they would have animal sacrifices, even human sacrifices, and supposedly try to conjure the devil. Um, Legend claims that they were able to open a doorway to hell and summon Satan himself. Now, as you all know from last episode, Satan stuff really freaks me out. So that's why we're doing this. Um there is a video. Go on to YouTube, uh, search Satan's Hollow under IPRA strong. This is a uh group of guys that's led by David Scott that do um uh, investigations of haunted places and stuff like that. And you can see their video of this as you walk down the tunnels, um, graffitied on the walls of the tunnels is 666 with upside down pentagrams and other satanic symbols all over the walls. And it's pitch black. There's a layer of water, you know, about a couple inches deep that they're having to walk through. As you travel further, the writings become more sinister and you see go back and hell lies ahead all over the walls. And as you travel down the the walls get more narrow and more claustrophobic, and at this point, you're about a mile or so underground when you come into the altar room now standing in the altar room, they can hear footsteps moving toward them as if somebody is coming into that room, and they stop just a little ways before them and So, both the guys are freaking out a little bit, Um, and they pull out a spirit box, and if you don't know what a spirit box is, it basically projects a white noise that spirits can talk through, and they ask questions, and they ask, you know, who's holding you here, and you hear Satan, and they said, were sacrifices done here? Yes. And This goes on, they have this back-and-forth conversation for a a good few minutes. So they ask the question, was any human actually sacrificed down here? And you hear, yes. And they say, what was their name? And they clearly say, Jake. So legend goes that this area was frequented by uh, a Satanist cult, And because of them summoning the devil, the devil placed a spirit in those tunnels to guard his portal. And he's apparently called the Shadow Man because he appears in the form of a human but completely blacked out. Now, people at night have heard female screams, they've seen this Shadow Man, and they've seen a floating skull outside of the tunnels. Now just go watch the video. You can freak yourself out like I did. Um, I didn't sleep well last night at all. After watching this video, I was up for quite a while tossing and turning had nothing to do with the steroids at all.
1: (laughs) If you're unfamiliar with what recordings well, not, no, not recordings, but what a, what a spirit box sounds like. There's a lot of subjectivity to it. And you you can read into what you're hearing because it may sound close enough to what you want to hear. Right. But on this video, there are some things that are really, really clear. Yeah. I mean, you can really see that that's what's being said. Yep. And if these guys were willing to go down this hole, which if you watch this video, you'll see. They're willing to go down that far into this dark hole for any reason. I mean, Satan's hollow or not. Yeah. I'm not going down in that hole for nothing. Especially I, at night. I don't like snakes. No. So I'm not. I'm not sure no. gonna go down there and try. I'm fine to,
0: with the snakes. It's the spiders I don't want to run into. You know.
1: Yeah. So if they did this as a prank and they've somehow worked this spirit box up to make it. Se- it's a doggone good
0: one. Yeah, they did good. Uh, I mean, if, it, if they it's enough it. to really
1: creep you out.
0: Oh, yeah. because like you said, some of, some of the recordings that you hear with the spirit box are very subjective, you know, because it'll sound like, and they're like, oh, that said potato salad, you know, and you're <laughs> like, no, it didn't. I heard franken beans, you know. Yeah, the devil but, hates potato salad. Yeah, We all know that, you know, but uh, this, there are very clear, like you were tuning in a radio station uh when they ask what the person's name is that was sacrificed it's very clearly jake i mean there's no you know no mistaking that and one time they ask you know are there angels here do you believe in angels are there angels here to take you to heaven and angels is heard really clearly and you know, that um, uh, the guy, uh, David Scott, you actually hear him say he's not, he, they're just kind of doing the recording and he goes, I just got really pissed off all of a sudden. Like for some reason, anger just swept over him at one point. And you can actually see it in the video. He, he looks like he got really angry.
1: I, I couldn't tell if he was saying that he was angry or if he felt like the voice was angry, because I think at that question he's asking, have you asked God to help you? Right. And it's a very terse yes. Yeah. And those answers you can hear. Yep. Yeah. I mean, they're 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 clear enough.
0: Yep. Yeah. And that, you know, uh, in doing the research and everything for this, that one stuck out in my head. It's not that long. You know, the the legend is not that long, but the evidence that's there is Freaky enough that I'm not going to forget about Satan's Hollow for a while.
1: And I'm marking Ohio off my travel list.
0: No kidding.
1: (laughs) All right, moving right along. Uh, We're going to leave Ohio, and we're going to head south down to, well, my birth state, uh, Adam's now home state of Tennessee. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Just west of Nashville, about 30 miles, is a small town called White Bluff, Tennessee. I've been through there. Yeah. It's right off highway. It's, it's actually highway 70 runs right through it. Uh, it's the town of white bluff is just right outside uh, Montgomery bell state park. Love that state. Park. Right on the other side, you're going to find burns, Tennessee. Now in between these two towns is the part of the park where this legend comes from. So this is the legend of the white screamer of White Bluff, Tennessee. So, the legend says, around the 1920s, a young man decided that he was going to to settle in this hollow right where is now Montgomery Bell State Park. And he built a home for his wife and his seven children. As soon as they moved into the home, every night, they would be awoken by these horrific wails and screams from the surrounding forest every night. They described it as being a female in distress or a hurt animal. They were unable to figure out what was making this sound. And after many, many nights of this, the man decided, I'm putting a stop to this, and he grabs his shotgun, and he heads out into the woods. So he travels up a hill to try to see what's around, if he could get a glimpse of what's making these screams. And the legend says that the screams then changed from the screams of this creature to the screams of his family. He ran back as fast as he could down the hill to the house. But when he arrived, he found his wife and all seven children dead, and dismembered. Hmm. And the legend also says that you can still see the foundation and the graves of his family today.
0: Now, that I'll tell you right now, I've been to that area, the, uh, the Montgomery Bell area, and I've hiked that area. And I was hiking it one day with Dallas, and Dallas ran off into the little area. So I followed him there is the foundation of a house there. Now I never saw any of the graves, but there is the foundation of a house with a chimney, uh, a stone chimney still there.
1: Yeah. And so that is supposedly where this took place. Um, Hikers now are the most common people to report sightings or really hearing the white screamer. Um. Let's talk about the sightings. Let's talk about what people see because there's a little bit of differences as to what people will report. The most common is that it's it's a large, beast-like creature um, about the size of a base, of a basketball goal. Right. So about, around 10 feet tall, hooved, hunched over, but can stand erect. So if you can imagine what you might think a werewolf would walk like. So hunched over could run on all fours, but can stand up straight. Um, Or they report seeing this ghostly white mist from which you hear these horrific screams, crying, wailing. Uh, So those are the things that people have reported. But the legend goes on to say what these things might be. Right around that time, there was a circus train that was going through White Bluff in Burns, Tennessee. And there was a story that some animals had escaped. And that all of the animals were recovered except for two. And these two animals were known as the wild men of Borneo. Beyond that, nobody knows what exactly they were. Right. So, Circus Train gets out of Dodge, says, well, we can't find them before they do something bad. Let's let's get it and they're gone. And people start reporting dogs coming up missing, cattle missing. Um something that looked like something was hunting in that in that area. So uh there's that possibility. Mm. Yeah. Um but the uh the white misty form and then the the screams of a female
0: right.
1: really play into The idea of a banshee. Right. And the third largest cultural group in the state of Tennessee. Real
0: quick, let me pause you real quick because you can hear it outside. And I just have to mention this because this is, (laughs) excuse my language, but this is pissing me off. Outside of the graveyard tonight, we've got a couple rednecks that are racing their go-karts. So... If y'all hear that, that's what that is. It's not sound effects that it's I'm not putting the in. It's not chainsaw massacre. No, it's two rednecks who are too big to be riding their little go karts. I've seen them. It's driving me nuts. Anyway, sorry for the the thing. I just I can't do anything about it. I'm not stopping our recording for this. They're just gonna have to be go down in our podcast as the jerks who ruined the the sound quality. So
1: I firmly believe this is not the last time we're going
0: to do with Oh these guys. no. No, this will not be the last time. It's not the first time either, but first time I'm mentioning it on the radio. Yeah. So anyway, go ahead. I'm sorry.
1: So anyway, what I was saying was that the um the third largest cultural group in the state of Tennessee uh are Irish. Right? And there were a lot of Irish settlers at the time. And with Irish settlers come Irish folklore. And the Banshee has its roots in Irish folklore. If you don't know what a Banshee is, a Banshee is one of the most feared female spirits. Legend says if you hear a Banshee's cry that someone in your family or someone you know is about to die, if you see a Banshee, She is foretelling your own death.
0: I think I dated her.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So they're pretty scary. And the sound of the screaming, the white misty fog, those kind of things, they really go in line with a story of a banshee. And this could be one of those legends that's just kind of left over from, you know, Irish folklore. right? Um, Confederate soldiers actually had reported the uh, La Lorena in the same area, and this predates the time that the legend supposedly begins. And the, the La Lorena is uh, from Spanish folklore, and La Lorena stands for the crying woman. Uh, also very similar to a banshee, um, but this, uh, this creature woman, as they describe her, is seeking revenge for the death of her children. So um, much more malevolent in nature, uh, less foretelling, um, but still the same area had stories like this. You know, Civil War era. So right. you know, sixty sixty years you know prior to uh, the nineteen twenties. So a lot of a lot of stories come from this area, and if you're familiar as, as Adam said, he's been hiking down there um there's a lot of places out there where you just really can't access by foot, yeah, or you might not want to or it would be too dangerous so the idea that there's you know animals out there that could go unseen you know it's it's not unheard of no i mean is it not some completely exotic impossible? yeah, is it some exotic circus animal I don't know yeah. I don't know. Um, I'm probably not going to go down there to find out. No, but, um,
0: if we do, I'm taking my shotgun.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, but one of the, one of the curious things is that there were some hikers that had reported seeing, um, a white mist. They were coming up over a hill and could hear the screams of what they thought was a woman in distress. So they thought, oh, there's another hiker hurt. You know, there's somebody being attacked by an animal or another person. So they rushed to the top of this hill only to see this white mist in the distance. And and it seemed like the screams were emitting from it. So they kind of freaked out a little bit, but then moved toward it. And as they got closer, the mist disappeared. When they got to where the mist was, all they could find was a charred patch of grass. Mm. where it looked like the grass had been burned. Okay. And again, this is one of these stories. This is not, you know, this is not a documented, this happened and it happened here. Just one of these stories that passed along, but then, you know, Hey, these are, these are what these legends are about. Right.
0: right. You know, so they're uh, word of mouth tellings.
1: So, you know, pretty cool. When I, when I read this, I had never heard this story before and I've essentially lived in Tennessee my whole life and have never heard about this. So, it's pretty cool, and it's cool that it's as close.
0: Yeah. yeah, and we may, despite you wanting to, we may go search that out at some point.
1: You go do that.
0: <laughs> All right, so for my second one, I'm just going to read it verbatim here, but I'm not going to tell you the, the title of this because it gives it away. Um, I chose this one because I thought it was creepy enough Um, especially if you've ever found yourself in this position. Once there was a beautiful young girl who lived in a small town just south of Farmersburg. Her parents had to go to town for a while, so they left their daughter home alone, but protected by her dog, which was a very large collie. The parents told the girl to lock all the windows and doors after they had left, and she obeyed her parents' wishes, but there was one window in the basement that would not close completely. She tried as best as she could, and she finally got the window shut, but it would not lock. She went back upstairs, but just to make sure that no one could get in, she put the deadbolt lock on the basement door. She had some dinner, watched a show on TV, and decided to go to sleep for the night at about 12 a.m. She crawled into her bed, snuggled up with the dog, and fell asleep. At one point, she suddenly woke up and when she turned to look at the clock, it was 2.30. She listened for a moment, and when she didn't hear anything, she snuggled down again, wondering what had woken her up. Just as she was about to fall back to sleep, she heard a noise. It was a dripping sound. She thought that maybe she hadn't closed the faucet tight enough after she brushed her teeth, and now it was dripping into the drain of her sink. She decided to ignore the sound and go back to sleep. She didn't know why, but she felt uneasy and a little nervous. She reached her hand over the edge of the bed and let the dog lick her hand to feel safe, knowing he would protect her. Again, at about 3.45, she woke up, hearing dripping. She was annoyed, but still felt sleepy and lazy, and she went back to sleep anyway. Again, she reached down and let the dog lick her hand. Then she fell back to sleep. At 6.52 a.m., the girl decided that she had had enough. She got up just as her parents were pulling up to the house. Good, she thought. Now somebody can fix the sink, because I know I didn't leave it running. She walked to the bathroom, and there was the collie dog, skinned and hung up on the curtain rod. The noise she heard was its blood dripping into a puddle on the floor. The girl screamed and ran to her bedroom to get a weapon in case someone was still in the house. And there on the floor, next to her bed, she saw a small note, written in blood, saying, Humans can lick too, my beautiful.
1: Oh, so yeah, I totally saw that coming, but man, it's a <laughs> story. <laughs> well, see, and there's a reason it's called
0: humans can lick too. And there's a reason I did not, <laughs> did not read that the first at the first, cause that would have totally ruined it for anybody oh, who didn't see man. that coming. So, I remember that this is researching and this is not the first time I had read that story, but I like that story for some reason. It's just the thought of you think, you know, as a kid, as a teenager and younger, you know, your dog is going to protect you and you always have this, this fear of something under the bed. You know, it's just, I think it's instilled in us as children. There's something under the bed, which is why I'm a 30 plus year old male and my bed sits on the ground. There are no there there's no frame underneath. It's on the ground for a reason. You know, I tell everybody, well, you know, it's because I I don't like to climb into bed. I like to fall into bed and roll out of it. No, it's because I'm scared of crap underneath my bed and that's not going to happen. <laughs> but to think that you're putting your hand down there to have the dog reassure you of your safety, and then in the morning you find out some creeper's been licking your
1: hand all night. No thanks. <laughs> You know, this is like one of the stories that you tell at camp, you know, you tell the kids, you know, Hey, don't go in the dark woods because there's this lady and she killed her family. Right. She hangs them from the trees and then she eats your toenails. Yeah. You know, Um. but so many of these stories come out of, of just that those really great stories that, that people tell around the campfire, yep. you know, the, the mass murderer with the hook and the, and the couple on Lover's Lane drive away and there's a hook stuck in the car. Yep. And, you know, all of those stories, you know, yeah, they're urban legends and they're good stories. You d- you don't really believe them. But when you're a kid and you hear a story like this, like yep. humans can lick too, yeah, it freaks you out. Yep. It sticks in your head. I think,
0: it, you, know, you know, a lot of the the basis for a lot of urban legends I've come to believe is as a, Tale of morality or whatever for your children, you know the the one you were talking about with the hook in the the door of the people in Lover's Lane. That says, man, y'all don't go out and bang in a car anywhere because you're going to get killed, you know. And this one is make sure your windows close, you know. There, there's I think a tale of of some kind of warning in there from parents to their children, and then you know, and as Parents, if you're doing that to your kids, that's awesome. <laughs>
1: <You know? laughs>
0: so we come down to our last ones a piece, Matt. And okay. I know these are the longer ones.
1: And, and this one that I'm about to do is my favorite. And I, and I have to credit my sister with uh, the idea for this one. Um, my sister told me about this story. Years ago, um, after she went on a trip to uh, to Charleston, South Carolina, and this is the story of the Gray Man. So, on Polly's Island, South Carolina, it's just um, it's just right off the coast. It's a barrier island, which is the, the uh, it's a line of land that's just somehow become separated. From the main coast, you know, usually by a little narrow inlet. In Pauley's Island, it's it's like a marsh almost. Um, and the gray man is said to appear to protect that island from approaching hurricanes. So this is this is the legend. This is the legend. A man was traveling from England back to the United States to visit his fiance, As he's traveling, he's crossing into Pauly's Island. He's so in love, and he is such a hurry to get back, that he's racing through an area on his horse that is looks to be safe, but it's really an area covered in pluff mud. If you're unfamiliar with what pluff mud is, think of quicksand. You know, it's soil that has absorbed so much water that it looks solid, but it's not until you step on it. Until you step on it. So he goes down into this quicksand or pluff mud, and his manservant tries to get him out, tries to reach to him, can't, and he's engulfed. So the manservant continues to travel. Goes to the plantation home where his fiance is waiting, and he tells her and the family, "This is what's happened." She is so distraught, you know. This was this was her betrothed. This is the man she had waited for, and now he was gone. So, in in misery, this poor girl, you know, lives out in this plantation. When the summer would come plantation owners to escape the mosquitoes and disease would go out toward the coast onto Polly's Island where the sea breeze kept the mosquitoes at bay and, just kept, and, and thus kept malaria at bay. So when her family is, is summering on the coast, there's a storm that looks like it's brewing. And the woman tells her family, My fiance has appeared to me and he has warned me that we must leave the coast. We must get off this island. The storm is coming and we will all die if we don't leave. So what does her family do? You're nuts. Yeah. Your heart's broken, and you're losing it. So we're gonna take you to a doctor. So the family packs up, leaves the island, takes her inland to visit a doctor because she's obviously hysterical. When they're gone, a hurricane hits. This is our storm of 1822. It's a documented storm. Absolutely devastates Polly's Island, leaving nothing but death and destruction in its wake. When the family returns, Not only had all of them survived because they left the island, their plantation home was still intact. So the story is, if you see the gray man, it's a warning. Leave the island. The storm is coming. And your life will be spared. And so will your home.
0: There... I have seen photos from what is said to be this the the gray man aftermath and you see the photos of the whole town destroyed except for one house in the middle and the story around that is that this was the one woman that saw it and she got out a dodge and that was her house that was still standing
1: And there's a lot of question as to who the gray man really is. Nobody really knows. Um, Some say it's this fiance. Some say it's a a wealthy landowner from that area who owned a home that's now known as the Pelican Inn. Some people actually say it's Blackbeard. The pirate Edward Teach, uh, who is known as Blackbeard. Because the man is described as wearing all gray. He wears a hat. He's very disheveled. But he looks like a pirate, so uh, that's where that's where some of that idea comes from. But if we're looking at you know the, the late eight, the early eighteen hundreds, that was the dress of the time, right? Um, so if you believe any of this, you know he would be dressed like that. He, he's not going to look like the Gordon's fisherman,
0: right? Which that's a shame. <laughs> right.
1: So let's bring this legend to modern day. You know why why is it still current? Why do people care? Well, I'll tell you why they care, because there are numerous stories of how people's lives and property have been saved after they saw the Gray Man. So, 1954, Hurricane Hazel, at the time, one of the most devastating storms to hit the East Coast. It was pre, it predates weather satellites, you know, meteorological technology you know, ability to track a storm. All they knew is a storm was coming. They didn't know how bad it would be, how big it was, how long it would last, how much damage it was due. So there was a couple that went to Polly's Island on their honeymoon. And it was their first night together. Somewhere around midnight, one o'clock in the morning, they hear a knock on the door, which was really strange. So they were shook. And so the husband gets up and he runs downstairs. You know, he's ready to fight. There's no reason anybody would be knocking on this door at this late at night. And right. he opens the door and he describes a man standing there in a long gray coat and his face was covered by a raggedy gray hat. And he stood there. He didn't speak. And after a few seconds, he disappeared. So. The husband went upstairs, grabbed his wife, and said, I think I just saw the gray man. We have to get out of here now. So they pack up what they had and left. And early that morning, Hurricane Hazel hit and absolutely destroyed the little bed and breakfast where they were staying, along with the majority of the island. Wow. So that's one of that's one of the um that's one of the initial stories but they get better. Yeah, I promise. <laughs> so 1999, let's jump ahead a little bit. 1999 Hurricane Floyd. There was a gentleman named Glenn, Co- Glenn Cox who lived on the island who had decided, look, I'm not evacuating. I'm going to stay here. I'm going to watch my property. I'm going to watch my neighbors' property. I'm going to protect my home. This is my island, and I'm going to make sure everything is okay. So Hurricane Floyd is beginning to come in. The rain is getting heavy. The island has lost power, and what he's doing is he's in his car, and he's traveling from the north end to the south end, back and forth, checking, making sure things are okay. On one of his passes, he sees a light, in one of the upstairs windows of one of the houses. And this confuses him because he said, there's no power here. There's no reason in the world there should be a light up there. And as he's looking, he describes it as a greenish yellow glow. While he's looking through the rain up into this window, he sees the figure of a man. Now He can't make it out, but he knows there's a person in that window. He says, just as soon as he focuses on it and says, that's a person, it disappears. And he stopped and gathered himself, and he said, I got to get off this island. And Mr. Cox describes himself as an absolute skeptic, non-believer. He said, there is no way. This is just a good story to tell tourists. But he saw it, and he got off the island and Hurricane Floyd came in, flooded the island, he would have been washed away had he stayed. So he credits his sighting of the gray man with saving his life. Now, the most famous story about the gray man, I saved for last. And this is the story, or at least a portion of it, that my sister uh, relayed to me. and there's a good chance that if you like the show Unsolved Mysteries that you saw this story because, uh, you know, the couple that, that we're talking about here, that um, was a good show. They, uh, yeah, they, um, they were on Unsolved Mysteries telling this story. So Jim and Clara Moore had a house on Polly's Island, retired couple. Their daughter, uh, describes them as just, A happy couple, they would get out every evening, walk on the beach. Her dad was pretty stubborn, and the insurance company had told him, you need to fix your roof. You need to repair it. He said, I don't need to repair it. It's not leaking. I said, you can repair your roof, or we're going to cancel your insurance. He says, well, I'm not going to pay to repair the roof. So the insurance says, well, we're going to cancel your insurance, and they did. Then, uh, Hurricane Hugo, 1989, begins to barrel down on Polly's Island. And they were scared, not just scared for the fact that, hey, here comes this hurricane, but we just lost our insurance. If this hurricane wipes out our house, we have nothing. Right. We are left with nothing. So, they said, well, there was the last the last evening before they knew they had to go. So they decided to do what they always did every evening, take a walk on the beach. They said, normally, around this time of the evening, there's tons of people on the beach. This particular day, said it felt like they were the only ones out there. So in the distance, they see what they think is just another person. And as they get closer, they see that it's, it's a man wearing a hat, dressed in gray. And, uh, and Jim says that when he raises his hand to say hello or good evening or, or whatever you say, the man turned and disappeared. And they thought, well, that was weird. right? You know, you don't see that every day. So they thought, well, this weather's getting bad. We better go back. So they went back, evacuated their home. And on September 21st, I believe 1989, Hurricane Hugo hit and wiped out the majority of Polly's Island. So a day or two after, the National Guard was starting to let people back in, and so their daughter describes taking them back, and just the further, the closer they got, the further in the island they got, the more she cried because she just saw you know just nothing but you know torn up buildings houses where they weren't supposed to be
0: devastation and
1: here they come and there sits Jim and Clara Moore's house untouched wow she said the only thing they could find was there was a screen missing off the door that was it when inside they had sticky notes on the refrigerator that were still there <laughs> okay um and and They were just amazed going through the house, looking. I mean, everything was fine. You know, dishes, china, still in the cabinets. You know, you wouldn't expect. And, of course, houses all around them just in rubble. Right. And they had even reported on the news that with all the technology, maybe the gray man felt like he didn't need to protect them. Because the gray man had been reported for every major storm that had hit Pawleys Island since 1822. Except this one. And Clara Moore says, well, we may have seen the gray man right before we left. Yep. So that's just one of those stories that it's not scary. It's not something that's looking to do people harm, but it gives you cold chills. that could there be a spirit out there that is protecting his home yep. by protecting, protecting the people Pauley's that live there yeah yep. yeah i mean I, and i I, just, I love that story and i remember getting goosebumps the first time my sister told me and i think she had goosebumps while she was telling me
0: i got goosebumps
1: now. yeah and so when i was able to research this um it, w- it was a lot of fun to hear some of these stories and and if you if you want to look into it more um the weather channel did uh an hour long documentary on the gray man. You well, can cool. you can find it on YouTube. It it's it's abs- <laughs> for a documentary done by the Weather Channel, it's it's fantastic. Um but it really gives you the sense you actually see interviews with these real people that tell these stories, historians that have been documenting these cases for decades. Uh really, really interesting, fascinating. Um I, I enjoyed this one. And like I said, it's not scary, but it just it gives you that, Ooh, you yeah. know, that's that's really wild.
0: So. Yeah, that everybody has seen the gray man before a storm. That's you right. Know, it's it almost reminds you of like the opposite of the Mothman because they always say you see the Mothman and then something really bad happens. Whatever this is, you see the gray man and. You get out and you're protected. You know, I guess maybe not the opposite of the gray. It might might be about the same as the Mothman. You know, it, it's an omen of, uh, you know, there is bad about to happen. Right. We just understand the gray man more. Right. You know?
1: And you know, there there's interviews with folks that said, you know, we don't want to see the gray man, but because that means that there's going to be a hurricane. Right. But if we do we know that he's here to protect us. Right. You know, so um yeah, really really great story. Um you know, really enjoyed it. like I said, if you want to if you want to learn more, um go watch go watch the documentary on the weather channel. It's great. So, yep. All
0: right. So for my last one, um like I said in the first part of this episode, they happened to for some reason Forrest on Astonishing Legends just happened to mention this out of nowhere. Um, He's either a mind reader or something. I think Forrest has special powers um, since you and I had been talking about doing this episode for a while. um, And this was one of the first ones that I wanted to do this legend, this story, because it's so in-depth and there's some other Things revolving around it that I didn't know until I started looking into it, but it's of the black eyed children or the black eyed kids or whatever they you know they the b e k tales
1: but not the black eyed pea
0: no the black eyed pea. that uh that the restaurant black eyed pea is going out the band black eyed peas i just not even gonna talk about them that's not even worth it um but I'm sure they the Astonishing Legend guys will have some in depth, like they do. And the reason I like them, they go hours into the detail and backstory of it and stuff that you and I don't have the patience to do. So before too long, I would say they will probably have something on it. So go check them out, listen to them. Obviously, after you're done listening to us, but go check them out. Um, you know, write them, tell them we recommended y'all to go listen to them um, because we're big fans. Anyway the black eyed children the the first the thing that brought it to everybody's attention was an encounter that happened at a movie theater and I'll read off the encounter because this is the more well known one A man named Brian Bethel was a journalist out of abilene texas um and it in nineteen ninety six He was on his way to pay an internet bill at a local provider's office. He pulled over near a movie theater, and using the marquee's lights to write a check, he heard a knock that frightened him. Knock on his driver's window. So he looks out the window, and there's a pair of pale knuckles tapping his driver's side window. So Bethel looked up to see two young boys with hooded sweatshirts covering their faces. An immense rush of fear suddenly rushed over him. The fear, as Bethel remembered, was incomprehensible at the time. The boy who seemed to be the leader of the two had curly hair and kind of an olive complexion, and the other boy stood in the background with red hair and freckles. He said their appearance was average at first glance, but soon sent a fear through his bones because both the boys had completely black eyes, black as pitch, no life in their eyes whatsoever. The whites of their eyes were black, the retinas, everything, black. Now Bethel is frozen in his car, and the boy, the leader of the two, he asked for a ride to his mother's house. Now bear in mind that Bethel is still freaking out. He can't completely tell you why he's freaking out, but just something about the pale kid with all black eyes. And now he's asking for a ride. They said they wanted to get money to see a movie at the theater. And it won't take long, the boy assured Bethel. We're just kids, the boy would continue to say. Now, that was supposedly, I guess, meant to ease Bethel's panic, which you could tell. Um, but it only made it worse. Um, So he completely rolled the window up in his car, put the car in reverse, and was about ready to drive off. And the boy yelled through the car window, we can't come in unless you tell us it's okay. Let us in. So he freaked out and just drove off. Now, that's the first story that everybody's kind of heard of the black eyed kids. Now, it, it kind of hit, I guess, internet fame when an email of his to some coworkers was leaked about this. So people have caught up with him, they've asked him questions and everything. And he said, you know, it it kind of affected his sleep because he didn't know when he was going to see these kids again. Didn't know if they'd show up at his house. He didn't know what they wanted, but he just was uneasy. Now,
1: they wanted money for a movie.
0: Apparently so, and they can't get in unless you ask them. They can come in. Anyway, so in doing some research, you look back, and it's not just the 90s where this happened. This goes way back. Now, they kind of change a little bit because obviously there weren't cars you know, in our entire history of the world. So you find some, you find some weird kind of related stories and then whatever. But one of the ones that stuck with me was about a screaming boy at a fence. Um, This kid named Harold was 16 years old. He was making his way home from a friend's house. As he made his way down the dirt road leading Leading toward his house, he noticed there was a small figure leaning against the fence in front of this house. As he approached, he noticed it was a boy. And being a small town, everyone knew everyone else. So Harold was a little puzzled because he had never seen this child before. So he immediately started talking to the boy, but didn't get a response. He asked if the boy was all right. And after a moment, the boy finally replied, I want to go to your house. Take me to your house. So a chill rushed through Harold. He didn't really know how to respond. And it was in that moment that the boy looked up at him with a pair of solid black eyes. Black everything. So Harold was just felt glued to the ground. He was scared, couldn't move. But he looked up the road and he was planning to run when the uh, the boy immediately shot back. Now don't you run away from me. You're going to walk me to your house. And Harold was now feeling threatened. He made a run for it. So he went sprinting down the road. He didn't want to look back, but all he could hear is this screeching wail, like a bobcat scream in the background. He didn't know if it was the kid. He didn't know if it was a bobcat. He didn't care. It was just this angry wail. And he figured it was because he didn't listen to the kid's warning to not run away. So he runs to the front door of his house. He flings open the front door and just barrels through and falls into the house. His parents were startled and asked him what was wrong. He finally was able to explain to his parents what had happened. So his father is real overly protective. So his father grabs a shotgun and heads down the road, desperately searching for this boy. There was no sign of him anywhere. So the family was left wondering exactly what happened. And the mom feared that it had literally been the devil in disguise. So she brought Harold to the clergy, had him blessed. And since then, they didn't have any other issues. Now, I I looked up a whole bunch of stuff. Like, this is one that has kept me up. For a long time, because there's rabbit holes and everything that you can go down on this. And there's a few instances uh, where people say, well, what happens? What do they want? If I let these kids into my house, what happens? Because some of the other stories are of these kids showing up. It's winter. They show up at your house. They knock on your door. They say, let us come in. It's cold out here. Can we come in? And you immediately get this fear. And you're like, "Mm, I don't know. You know, I mean, some people, children show up at their house late at night. They look cold. It's snowing. You're going to let them in because you feel bad for them. Don't do it, people.
1: What if they're like leprechauns and they're going to turn everything to gold?
0: See, I don't think that's going to happen. Let me read you. Uh, the story of what apparently happens when you let them into your house now this is a reddit article that a lady posted um and she didn't give her name or her husband's name but she said i want to share this so that people know do not let these black-eyed children into your home like i did
1: this sounds like advice that you would take just by default
0: well yeah i mean if If I look out the window and there's two kids standing at my door and it's 2.30 in the morning, like hell, I'm opening that door. I don't care how old they are. That that ain't happening. So she says, I live just outside of a rural town in Vermont. It's a tight-knit community where everyone knows one another, and people don't lock their doors at night. There's never been any need to. A little over a year ago, I woke up because I heard a loud banging on my front door. At the time, my husband and I lived in a small home on a a dirt road just off the rural route into town. It was the middle of a snowstorm, and the nearby hills get very slippery in the snow, so I thought that someone might have been in an accident and broken down. It's happened before. When I looked out the window, I could see that our motion uh, motion spotlight was on. I could see that there were footprints in the snow that had come from our road and into our driveway, but there was no car anywhere. The snow was still covering the road, and no one had driven on it for at least a couple of hours. Our front door was obscured from the window, but I could see that someone was standing there. I wasn't sure what to think, so I woke my husband, and just to feel a little safer. While I was telling him what was going on, the banging on the door started again, and my husband went to enter it while I stood in the hallway. When he opened the door, there were two children standing in the snow looking toward the ground. There were a boy and a girl and could not have been more than eight years old. They were dressed strangely and had odd haircuts. The girl's hair was very long and straight, and the boy had a dated haircut and looked almost like a bowl cut. They weren't dressed for winter, and my first thought was that they must have been Mennonite children, but as far as I know, there was never a large community of Mennonites near us. Thinking back on it, I know that my normal reaction to seeing children in a snowstorm would have been to rush them inside and bundle them up with some blankets and hot cocoa. But that's not how this felt. The children were very unnerving. They would not make eye contact, and when my husband asked if everything was okay, they asked if they could come in. My husband looked at me like, what do I do? And I asked the kids where their parents were. They'll be here soon, is all they said. It was around 2 o'clock in the morning at this point, so the only reasonable thought in my head was that there must have been an accident or these kids got lost. As much as my instincts told me not to bring them inside, I did it anyway. I went into the kitchen to make them some hot cocoa while my husband took them into the living room. While I was fixing the kettle, I could hear my husband talking to the kids. He was asking them if they were okay where they came from, how far they walked, if their parents' car had broken down, things like that. But they always answered, our parents will be here soon. They spoke in a sing-songy voice. They weren't afraid to be in a stranger's home at all. I started to notice that our cats, we had four of them, were all hiding, except Pigeon, who was in the kitchen with me. Normally our cats are very curious and friendly, and we have to be careful that they don't run out of the door when we leave. This time, none of them even tried to see who was here, which I thought was very strange. All of the hair on Pigeon's neck was standing up, and his tail was puffed while he looked in the living room. When I bent down to pet him and see what was wrong, he hissed and started growling and backed up until he hid himself under the kitchen island. I've never seen him do that before. When I walked back into the living room, the kids were sitting on the couch, as still as can be, but my husband was holding his head in his hands. I asked him what was wrong, and he just said he felt dizzy all of a sudden, but that he was fine. I turned back to the children to give them their cocoa, but when they looked at me, I gasped. It took everything inside of me not to drop the mugs and run away. When they looked at me, their eyes were completely black. They had no whites, just giant black pupils. When they saw that I was scared, they stood up and asked if they could use the bathroom. I tried to be as composed as I could and I showed them down the hall. They went into the bathroom together, and I hurried back to my husband to ask if he had seen their eyes. He had seen them too, and said it looked like his brother's badly bruised eyes after a car accident. We were in the middle of talking about whose children they were, and who, where they could be from, when my husband's nose started to bleed. He'd never had nosebleeds as long as I had known him. I just knew inside myself, that this had something to do with the kids in the bathroom, and I started crying while I ran to get my husband some tissues. That's when the power went out. I heard my husband yell my name from the living room, and as I started to walk back through the hallway, I stopped dead in my tracks. The two children were standing at the end of the hallway. They weren't moving, and I have never been so scared in my whole life. They just stood there in the dark. After what felt like forever, the boy said, Our parents are here. And they walked to the door, opened it, walked out, leaving it wide open. My husband jumped up to go close it and almost fell over. We looked out the window and saw two men standing by a black car idling at the end of our driveway. The men looked like they were wearing black colored suits and were very tall, at least six feet. When my husband waved at them, they just stared at us, got in the car, and drove off. Our power came back on half an hour later, but nothing was the same after that. Over the next few months, three of our cats went missing. We can only assume that they ran away somewhere and never came back. But the worst thing was coming home to find Pigeon in a puddle of blood on the living room floor. He looked like he had been vomiting blood. The vet told us he had some kind of hemorrhage. After my husband's nosebleeds became a regular occurrence, we went to see the doctor. He didn't know what to make of it other than dry nasal passages. But my husband was diagnosed with an aggressive skin cancer. When the doctor asked us if he used tanning beds, we both thought he was joking. But apparently this kind of melanoma is linked to overuse of indoor tanning. The doctors think he will recover, but don't understand how it got so bad so quickly. My husband has never worked an outdoor job and spends relatively little time in the sun. Since we let the black-eyed kids in our home, I've also suffered from regular dizzy spells and nosebleeds on a regular basis. I've had other issues, which I won't mention here, but trust me when I say that I am suddenly in the worst condition of my life, and no one can do anything about it. I know that all of this is because I let the black-eyed children into my home. We told everyone we could about the strange kids that showed up that night, but no one else saw them, and some laugh at how scared we were of the quote-unquote Mennonite kids. But we know what we saw. I wish my husband had never opened the door.
1: So, I know what my kids are going as for Halloween this year.
0: Right? (laughs) Right? Because that will freak people out.
1: Oh, man.
0: They're not coming over to my house, because I'll beat them with a stick. (laughs) I'm sorry, but I will beat your kids with a stick if they show up at my house that way.
1: <laughs> you know, you know what I love about this story. I love about this story is the way Adam says, "Boy, you can really tell he's from Texas." <laughs>
0: yeah. Out of that whole story, that's what I Matt love it. Gets. I love it. No,
1: but this story is so great because there, there, are, there are multiple, multiple accounts of things like this happening. Which gives it some validity. Right. You know, there are um, different reports of what the children would say, you know, how they would act. But there's a level of consistency right. across, you know, years that really makes you think, they all oh, want to man, come in. this is real. This right. really
0: happens. So the question that is, is out there and the question that's in my mind is, are these aliens? Is it spirits? What exactly is it? Because if in that personal account that I just read, there's two men in black standing by the car, and you always get the men in black revolving around the alien encounters K and J. Right. So are they, you know, are they aliens that want to come in and do you harm? Now, the guy's melanoma, that has been. People have said they've gotten melanoma from alien abductions, where they get too close to the radiation of the ship and they end up getting melanoma or they get blinded or something, temporary blindness from that. So what is it? Some people think that they are spirits that want to come and, you know, basically they're vampiric spirits who want to come and feed off of your soul. And so that's why you start breaking down. Your body starts deteriorating because they, you know, when you invite them in, you invite them into your home and you say, yeah, feed on me. So they've created a link now and they're feeding on you and you're slowly dying.
1: Yeah. And it, the, um, that you have to let us in, you have to invite us in. It goes back to a lot of the vampire legends that you hear, right? That you know, you have to invite a vampire into your house that they can't come in unless you do so. Um, Adds another level of creepy to the story, Uh, but it does seem like it's a consistent thread that that weaves its way through. Uh, Again, it gives these stories some level of believability. Right. You know, that these people experience something and, and they believe it, and I don't know about you, but when somebody tells me a story and I can really tell that they believe what they're telling me, yeah, regardless of what it is, they, I can tell, they honestly feel like this is exactly what happened. This was not a dream that, you know, it, it makes me want to believe it.
0: Right. I mean, it, you it know, does. I may not have experienced something like that myself, and it may not be something that I say, yeah, I, that's something I believe all the time but if you passionately believe that's what it is i'm i'm more than likely going to believe you
1: so we hope that some of these stories have um have creeped you out a little bit i maybe, know i'm creeped out maybe they want you to maybe uh they've inspired you to to go and look cuz i'm telling you you just just google scary urban legends and and you're you're going to find some really tremendous stories I mean, I know Adam did. I did. Um, we read so many of these things, looking for the ones that we would, ju- and we could we could keep going for hours oh, with yeah. some that are just really great. Um, you know, this was only a few of some of the really really good ones we read. But um, if you want to, if you want to really freak yourself out this Halloween, go look at some of these stories. Um,
0: Google is your friend. In yeah. sense.
1: And what's really great is. Google urban legends and ghost stories that are close to you. Um, you know, we've talked about it. You know, the area we're from is is full of these stories. I guarantee you, wherever you're listening to us, you can Google where you live and just put in ghost stories and there's something. Even there's,
0: you people in Kissimmee.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: I'm sure there's a lot of yeah. Kissimmee stories.
1: Uh, you know, you, you can really find out some things and you'd be surprised at how current some of these are, I mean, you know, look, you know, the black eyed Children story is it's, it's current. I yep. mean, you know, it's, it's There's the, recent it's stories the in the 2000s. recent stories, stories of the gray man are recent. I mean, heck I watched a video on guys looking for the donkey lady at the bridge and it was February of this year. Right. So, you know, these things are, are, you know, they're now and they're fun. Um, they are creepy, you know, but, but they're fun, and that's that's what we're all about. Yep.
0: Tis um, the season.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so so go and do a little bit of research. Uh, we had a lot of fun researching the stuff for oh, this yeah. show. Um, we uh, we we've got some some really really exciting things. Like I said, we were going to start Casper, and we're headed to Poltergeist. Yes, so yeah, we uh, are. So this one was probably a little bit more scary than our last episode, and we've got another one planned that that may may really scare
0: some yep. folks. I think this the the next one that we've got planned is my favorite and least favorite <laughs> so far.
1: I agree a hundred percent on that
0: because it's basically going to be our Halloween episode, and we love ourselves some Halloween. We really do, and. We're not going to tell you yet what it is, but we will not have anything to do with this topic personally anymore.
1: Neither one of us.
0: No. We will not touch one. We will not have one near us or anything, but we're going to dive into giving y'all a little history and telling y'all some stories and some personal accounts of why we're not messing with this crap anymore.
1: Yeah, we both have really, really good personal stories um, on this topic, and I mean, it'll scare the crap out of you. It scared the crap out of us. Oh yeah, enough that we're not we're not messing with it, but we're more than happy to talk about it. Oh yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll talk anything about it. anything for your entertainment. Yep.
0: See, it's it's all about you guys. So I guess that kind of wraps this
1: one up yeah. for us. So, um. We want to thank everybody for listening. Um, We want to tell you if you dig what you hear, if you like the show, tell a friend, tell them to check us out. Um, Please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Overcast, and of course, our host, Audio Boom, who we want to thank. Uh, Rate us and leave a review. When you rate us and leave a good review, it makes us easier to find, which invites more people into the graveyard.
0: Absolutely. And you can look us up on Facebook. We're at Graveyard Tales Podcast. Join our Facebook page. Give us a like there if you if you feel like it. It won't take but a minute. Click the, the stars there and give us a good rating there. Um, you can also follow us on Twitter. We're, you can just search Graveyard Tales and find us. But if you want to type it in, because of the way Twitter is, it's at G-R-V-E-Y-R-D podcast. Um, You couldn't get all the vowels in there if you wanted to, but search Graveyard Tales. It'll be a lot easier. We thank you for joining us tonight, and we look forward to seeing y'all back in the graveyard next time. See you soon. Good night.